Hey, this is Nate Lowe with the Texas Rangers. You're listening to the Ranger Nation podcast. This is Nick Solak with the Texas Rangers. You're listening to the Rangers Nation podcast. One ball, two strikes, two outs. Six to one, the Rangers lead in the top of the ninth. Feliz the high set. Here comes the pitch. Breaking ball, strike three call. The Rangers are going to the World Series. In the air, shallow right. The Texas Rangers win the pennant. Second consecutive year. Today, I consider myself the luckiest man on the face of the earth. Welcome to Rangers Nation Podcast, talking all things Texas Rangers. Rangers Nation Podcast is a part of Dallas Sports Nation, providing coverage of all your DFW sports teams. Now, here's your host, Texas Rangers blogger, the Recliner Nerd. Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to Rangers Nation's podcast. Today's episode is MLB Draft Preview, and the guy joining me is going to be Sam Hale, who writes for Baseball Prospectus, and he's also with the ticket, and he's going to come back and be with me right after this. Hey, guys, the Recliner Nerd here. Do you feel a spark when you get a chance to compete? Competition Dojo is here to feed the competitive fire in everyone. Each month, they provide competitive events to their subscribers. You have a month to learn, practice, and perform. The month-end results rank you against each other. Get off the couch and back in the game. Visit CompetitionDojo.com. That's CompetitionDojo.com. All right, guys, this is the episode I have been looking forward to. This is the MLB Draft preview joining me right now from baseball prospectus and the ticket you know him from the ticket sam how sam what's going on bud john it's a true pleasure to be here with you talking baseball you know i know it's been kind of a chaotic time in your world to say the least so it's good to be to see you with a smile on your face and to get to talk some baseball with you hey you know what this is this is when this right here makes me back to normal. Kevin's doing great. Uh, sam awesome. sam has kept up with that what's going on and sam look i i i before Kevin ever had any of this happen, when I knew, I was like, I got to get Sam on here. So I met Sam uh, when I first started uh, covering the Rangers uh, in 2019. I met him out at the ballpark. Him and I think Bryce Patrick was with you out there. And we would just yes, say hi. Was. And we would just say hi and kind of see each other out there and doing that. But when I knew I needed you on was opening day at Frisco this year when me, you, and Ben and uh, um, we, we had uh, – not not you, Sean. Me, you, Sean, Sam uh, – or uh, – uh, Josh Lucas, I'm, I'm going Scott Lucas, Scott, Scott Lucas, Lucas. Was out there. Michael Tepin was out there. It was just who, a who's who of Rangers nerddom was out there. And, yeah. And as big a nerd I am, you, you guys were more nerdy than me. And we were sitting there and, and I think, uh, Tep was out running around. You know, he is, he, he makes He's the way. mayor of Frisco. He really is. God bless him. <laughs> and we were sitting there talking and I was just sitting there listening. I love Scott and I love, I love, uh, Sean and, and have had, oh, had me them. I've tried to get Sean. and Sam sitting there just blowing me away. And I'm like, good God, as much as I know about, I'm a lot older than you. And I'm like, this guy knows more than me. And I'm like, I've got to get Sam on here. Now I know, listen, I, you, when I told you I wanted you to come on, you said, Hey, I've already mm-hmm. got a prediction of what I want to do for the draft. We're going to get into that. I, okay. I tell you what you, you turned my head because I had heard this name, hadn't really, and now I'm starting to see throughout a lot of mocks. Um, if the Rangers don't take this guy, he's going to go to Detroit, I think, with the third pick. It's crazy. Okay, we're going to get into that. So what we want to do, guys, um, we're going to get the, the Rangers have the number two pick. They have the number 38 pitch, which is actually really good because normally there's not as many um, CBA rounds this time. You know the collect, or what do you call it? The the compensation the pick. Balance. Yeah, the con- yeah the competitive balance round. There, there's there's not as many, so 38's really good. That, that's of course they were already high in the second round. Then they've got mm-hmm. the 73 and actually the 103 pick, which they got a good shot here for four top 100 prospects to get into oh, yeah. the to, on everyone's board to get into this. Now, most everyone that has, has have followed this know that it's kind of come down to the two, you know, they've come down to the Vanderbilt pitchers and the two shortstops, Marcelo Meyer and Jordan Lawler. Now, you tell me who all you've seen. So, in person, I've mainly been on Lawler, Lawler beat for BP because he's in our backyard. So, being the only writer in Texas right now, I've been following him around. So, he's obviously the prospect I'm most familiar with. And don't get me wrong. Dude's outstanding. Like, he's a fantastic player. And I've been keeping up. Obviously, it's pretty easy to watch Jack Leiter and Kumar Rocker this year. Yeah. Um, 
trying to get as much tape as I can on the California kids, Watson and Mayer. And I've seen enough to feel comfortable with. I would obviously would love to just be stationed out there for a couple of weeks. <laughs> like I know the Ranger scouts have been watching Watson and Mayer both. And obviously the guy that we're probably going to end up talking about it. And, you know, Henry Davis was in a super, was in a regional. And I believe I want to say he was in a super regional, but the NCAA playoffs are so hard to keep up with sometimes yeah. on their nomenclature. But so like the, the guys that are one through eight, for the most part, I pretty much have a good handle on and everyone else, you know, between our scouting network at BP and just the bevy of information out there, it's, it's easy to kind of get caught up on a lot of the top hunter guys. I mean, I know there's even, uh, when I worked with prospects live a couple of weeks ago, they have a top 600 list, which yeah, I've been looking I don't know at that. how they do that. <laughs> I don't know what kind of sorcery they're deploying to make that happen, but I appreciate it because it helps fill in the gaps. But as far as like for our discussion today, at least for the number two pick, Anyone that's reasonable to go number two, I pretty much have a handle on. Okay, and we're going to get to that. But, you know, I want to go in, into you. So you, where did you grow up, Sam? Where are you from? I'm here. I'm Texas-born. I was born in Fort Worth. I pretty much lived here my entire life. I went to uh, to high school in, in Azle, uh, which if for those for, – to answer the question everyone asked, uh, go west. And then when you think you've gone west enough, keep going. There's a lake involved. There's at least one lake involved. But it's about an hour hour outside of Dallas is probably the easiest way. Just keep going west. If you've hit the Tarrant Parker line, you've gone too far. And it's, you know, it's it's it, it's kind of the, the city that progress has forgot. Everyone just kind of skipped it and went to Alito and Weatherford. We just kind of got stuck in the middle there. But uh, I've been, you know, I went to college here in Texas. I've lived here in Texas pretty much my entire life. Uh, despite some attempts to get out at times, I've pretty much been here for the bulk of my life. So, so tell everybody what you do. Now, we baseball prospectus, what do you do for them? So I do two things for them. I'm a prospect writer, mainly handling uh, the Texas, what used to be the Texas League. It will always be the Texas League to me, but it's AA Central now. Uh, I'm based out of Frisco, so I handle anything that comes through there. Uh, I used to do it with our, uh, with, my, uh, with Kevin Carter, who's moved on to much greener pastures. But it's just me right now, uh, so I'll handle anything that comes through the Rangers, the Royals, the Padres, the Diamondbacks, the Mariners, anything in that double-A central that comes through to Frisco, and then I can see on the MILB, easy for me to say, yeah. TV, uh, it's, it's my domain right now. And then if they move around a little bit, so like I just got finished really working with uh, the top three kids from the Royal system. Bobby Witt Jr., Nick Prado, and MJ Melendez, because they just came through. Right. I just seen CJ Abrams uh, with the really unfortunate news today that he's out for the season. Yeah, he got hurt. And he's got a broken leg and a messed up, I believe it's a sprained MCL, but he's going to miss the rest of the season. I feel real bad because the good. kid's got a bright future. Oh. Yeah. It's, it, but uh, so I do, that's my primary job. I also am the executive producer of one of our uh, fantasy podcasts, Flags Fly Forever, which is more focused on like your standard fantasy formats. Uh, we do some deeper league stuff too because we we all three of us play in a in fifteen team leagues, but it's also kind of become just a general you know baseball podcast as well. We try to find whatever we can and just entertain as well. But that's and it, so I write, I produce, I sing and dance if they let me, though nobody wants that. And <laughs> whatever that whatever I can do for them, I'm happy to do for them. It's a fantastic organization. Now you now I know you're doing stuff with the ticket too. So tell us what you're doing with the ticket. Uh, again, uh, short of singing and dancing, just about everything. Uh, my regular, sh my regular job is producer of, uh, America's favorite soccer show, the kick around two to four on Saturdays. But I mean, I produce just about everything. I just came from a shift today. We were working with, uh, two young guns, Saad Yusuf and DJ Ringenberg, who are going to make noise one day. Uh, I've hosted the top 10. In fact, the next two nights, uh, we're recording this on July 4th. Uh -huh. I'll be hosting time and talk and, uh, for post game for rangers post game but if they need something i'm happy to do it I, i'm i just i love radio as a whole it's it's i i often joke it's the only thing i'm really good at and sometimes that's true sometimes it's not but it's definitely my my first media love i know some people love television and movies but i love i love the small speaker i'm a sucker for it i think it's one of the true endearing mediums of our life in media and I know it's death is predicted about every five years, yeah. but I just, I don't think so. I think people underestimate how important it is to their lives. I think as long, I, you know what I think keeps, uh, keeps radio itself alive besides music. Everybody likes some music, but they're down on all that. But with sports, uh, sports, you've got oh, yeah. to have a place for people that cannot get to a TV, can't watch. They like to listen to games, baseball especially. And if you've got a, you can't just... I guess you can do it over the internet, but for people that don't have it, they like to get in their pickup truck, be out in the oil field and have the Ranger game going on. That kind of stuff right there, hopefully we'll keep it around. I'm a big sucker for, for that too. So, um, Oh yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. 
I was going to say, like, you know, I was actually listening to Nadell and Hicks and Sandler on my way home, and I think they do a fantastic job. Yeah. But I'm old, I'm old enough, old in quotation marks, you know, as a fan that grew up listening yeah. to TCU football, they weren't on TV. All, you know, now they're on TV every week. They're on ESPN or whatever, Fox, far-flung outlet. Yeah. But, like, back then, it was all radio. I, right. If I wanted to consume their games, it was on the radio. So, like, but you're right. The romanticism of sports on radio, there's just something special about it. It's different. It's a completely different presentation. But it's incredibly special. And I think if you've got a good radio team for anything, there's magic within that. Like, you know, the, the intro of the show is the Nadell call of the 2010 World Series. Oh, gosh. You know, I just, it goosebumps every time. Like, the man, it's just, he's such a treasure. And I will oh. miss when he's, you know, when he's off the broadcast. We, we are well suited for the future. Don't get me wrong. Like, whether it's Matt Hicks or Jared Sandler or someone else. Yeah. But like, we are in the presence of greatness right now. We should not underestimate that. Oh, and and he's just I – mean, you've been around him, um, and we see uh, Eric around at media stuff. Oh, yeah. He's just a genuine good guy. I mean, he came out to watch Levi do his concert. I saw you out there too. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I mean, he's a music connoisseur. I mean, he loves all of that. And what and just a tremendous – as nice as he seems to on the radio, he's that guy in person. And he would literally stop and talk to everyone if he had time. He's just that nice a guy. Yeah, he's the Mr. Rogers of, of this area when it comes to like just what you see on TVs or here on radio in this case is what you get. I can't speak highly enough about everyone over there, but especially Eric Nadell because the guy is just a true local, regional, and even national treasure. I, I couldn't agree more. Okay, but we came on here because next Sunday is the draft. And for yep. me, I like you, I assume. Do you stop down? Are you, you on it and you've got your computer going and watching? Is that what you'll be doing next Sunday? Almost. Yeah. This is definitely more of an acquired taste over the last few years. Like, you know, when you're a kid, you don't really understand it because it's 40 rounds and, you know, college baseball is kind of hard to consume minor league baseball, especially when, you know, it's now easier than ever with things like MILB.TV. Right. But like, you know, over the last five years, it's become way more interesting even before I started working for PP. But now that I am, and now that, you know, you, you can literally just go to a high school ballpark and see, Hey, here's a top five pick standing right in front of you. Yep. Just playing baseball. Yeah. So absolutely. I can't wait. You know, I'm sure We'll have some coverage at PP, but I, you know, I can't wait to see what happens because I think this is going to be one of the most interesting drafts in years, literal years. And and you came up and what you did when when I listened to what you did, and I'm I'm going to get you to do it here in a minute. Um, sure. But what but when you came up with it and your reasoning is is one that sometimes Ranger fans, like you said, they don't like to hear that. They think this they, there's this misconception that look, I, I have my issues with Rangers ownership. Um, oh, in, oh, cer yeah. in certain situations, but in certain situations, they have pony up and, and not been afraid to put some money out there. Um, but, uh, you know, you, the timing's right. I, this offseason, they will pass the test with me this offseason. It is a time, I think, to go out for some free agents. If they are willing to pony up and put some money out there, I'll know that they're legit and they're serious. Um, I, I have been okay with it because I'm like, I, you know, right now you're not in contention. Don't go waste money like you did. Um, but – Okay, so you talked about the guy that you chose, and man, I have—you've just turned me on this guy. I've been looking at him a lot. So here's where I'm at on him. So I—I I have seen Leiter and Kumar both pitch on TV. We all have, um, and yeah. I—and Kumar, while impressive to me, wasn't impressive as, as Leiter. But Kumar looks like he has a higher ceiling. Um, personally, looks like it. But but Leiter, I mean, is lights out. I have seen Jordan Lawler in person. Um, I admit I've seen him one time, and they were playing. Irving, and that was a very um, inferior team with a guy that yes. wasn't that was not throwing close to maybe eighty miles an hour. Uh, Jordan was one for four, um, almost killed Brian Jones with a line drive foul ball down. He was way ahead of everything, and yeah. he was obviously the best player on the field. It wasn't even a doubt he was. He was way ahead on everything. So it told me how quick his bat speed was. The impressive thing was him was the – I guess it was they play seven innings in, in high school baseball. Seventh inning, uh, kind of a slow roller past the mound. He played that bare hand up and first like – Nobody I played high school ball with. I mean, that that was where I went, okay, that guy's a pro. You could tell right there. Tell me your scouting report on Lawler. So Lawler is an impressive – like, he he radiates greatness when he stands on the field. And I'm not trying to hype the guy up too much here because, you know, anything can happen in baseball. But you're right. When you watch a game where he's involved, especially if it's a, a generic prep game where it's him versus another high school, be it, you know, one of his division mates or whatever – yeah, he's the best player on the field. You can tell. You can see him. He's literally bigger. He's about six foot two, and I don't think he's at quite 200 pounds, but he's right around 185, 190. 
He just, and he carries a presence when you watch him, you know, you, you watch a high, enough high school games and even enough college games and you see guys that are kind of twitchy. And, and when I mean twitchy, I don't necessarily mean like quick twitch. I mean, like you can see there's a little bit of anxiety there. There's a little bit of anticipation. There's a little bit of that nervous energy running through him. Lawler doesn't have that. The dude just stands there. He is collected and cool and he's, he's never in the wrong place. That's another thing that like is, is underrated when it comes to just his general skill set. wherever he is on the diamond is where he needs to be. And as long as he's there, everything's probably going to work out for him, but the way that he moves is very fluid. The way he, that, you know, his throwing motion, whether it's, you know, he's kind of going sidearm if he's having to go low or even just when he's going over the top, like it looks easy. And that's the thing I think that really leaps off the page on defense. He makes it look easy. And those are what the great players do. They make it look real easy. Um, I know he got a lot of Derek Jeter comps for his personality. I think Carlos Correa is a lot closer to reality there. Wow. Just a smooth defender who really, and I don't really like comps, but this is fair enough. Like he's smooth fielder, just like butter really. And, and but just never ahead of himself, never nervous out there. Or if he is, he's not showing it and he's not letting it affect his play, which is even more impressive. I would argue. Now the bats, another issue entirely. Like obviously one of the issues about scouting high school players is something you brought up. The pitching quality is so erratic yep. and it's so hard to track sometimes that it's really hard to determine. Is this guy good because he's getting pitched around? Is it, you know, what is he getting anything good to hit? Is his coach telling him, Hey, don't swing as much. You know, I have a theory that, you know, with all due respect to his manager, I think they probably were telling him lay back a little bit, like take more pitches and swing at. I would personally love to see have seen Lawler swing a lot more than he does. Yeah. Because again, he is clearly the best hitter in his lineup, and it's not even remotely that close. But regardless, when he makes contact, good things tend to happen. He has got elite speed. Like I think that's yes. something in this time and, and day where stolen bases aren't as prominent, though I think we're kind of in for a change on that in the next half decade. His speed, both in the field and on the base paths one of the best tools in the draft this year. It's not quite the best. There's some faster guys, but for a high school player like that, just fantastic. And let me uh, echo that. Yeah. And let me, let me echo that speed because sure. I said he went one for four. Um, he had two major league pop-ups. And when I say major league pop-ups, everybody pops up in baseball and you see it, but a major yeah. league pop-up you lose in the lights because it goes so far up that he popped mm -hmm. up, but his hit was an infield hit. And by the time the guy got to the ball, I wasn't even watching Lawler. He was past first base because I had looked away from him because it was a slow roller. And that's when I went, my gosh, that dude was down that line quick. And then he stole second base, and it wasn't even close. Yeah, the dude's, no, the dude's a legit base-stealing threat. Any team that drafts him needs to be using him on the base path. He's going to stretch singles into doubles and doubles into triples, and that's where a lot of his value will be in the bat. That doesn't mean he has a bad bat. It just means that – He's not going to hit 30 home runs. Yeah. He might stretch to hit 20 home runs sometimes, you know, because his frame is pretty much where it's going to be. I don't think he can get much bigger without losing some speed, some flexibility. And, you know, maybe there's another growth spurt in him. I'm not in his pituitary gland. I don't really know. But <laughs> I think based on what we've seen here, I mean, he is a fantastic athlete. I mean, just in the best shape of his life, to quote an old trope. But I think any team that gets him, the concern is that the bat's not going to play. I think he'll be a fine contact hitter. If he's not, it's because we really have been fooled by just bad pitching against him. But there's enough reports about him playing against like perfect game teams and the IMG Academy, and he's just ripping the ball. So he carries risk. Every player does. Anyone that plays professional baseball carries some sort of risk. Okay. But I think if you're looking at these guys at the top level of the draft, it's hard to find a higher floor. The ceiling is kind of a question because it depends on just how he develops. But when it comes to floor and risk, it's it's a high floor and it's a low risk at this point. I'm a big I'm a big fan. Even even if I necessarily don't take him at Texas, I could I, if they do take him, I'll be okay. You'll be okay. But I think somebody's going to get a, a, a really good major leaguer with him. Okay, so we're so now it's time to have fun. So let me tell you where I'm at in the draft. Most mocks that are coming out right now, most of them seem to think that Meyer's going to go to Pittsburgh. That's just kind of yeah. been the consensus. And they, look, these change all this week. You're going to see new mocks popping up. But they yeah. seem to be on uh, Pittsburgh. And Pittsburgh's even alluded to the fact that um, kind of in your retrospect, what you were talking about, they've got a lot of money to play with. If they play oh, yeah. it right, they can really get some kids that slide and do that because um, and, and they've got the extra money to play with. So if Marsalo, if Meyer goes – for me, I'm going to say Meyer's gone. My pick that I like is I say um, I like Jack Leiter. That's who I like. That guy is a potential 
I mean, yeah, some claim that he w- he'll top out at a two. Still, a two or a three is a great pitcher to me to develop. <laughs> oh yeah, and, and I like him, and I like I like his moxie, and he's got a twenty year uh, MLB veteran dad that's there. Now, that's me. I almost stole your thunder because I have really picked up on this. I want you to tell what you did on Prospect Live. You have the number two pick. You are the GM. Let's just say everybody's on the board. Um, Sam Hale, you're on the clock. Tell me who the Texas Rangers are taking. They take pitcher Jackson Job out of Heritage Hall High School in Oklahoma City. Okay. An 18-year-old prospect that has been ranked as high as three so far. Yep. But if he's there on the board at two, and in this case he is, I am sprinting, and I'm a big guy. I don't sprint that often, <laughs> but I sprint to the podium with his name on my card. Let me tell you what. Before everyone throws everything at your radio and throws that, you need to go look at the scouting report on this guy. Look at the video. Mm-hmm. After you said it, look, I've heard the name, but I've obviously looked at these top four. I've looked at, at Rocker, Lawler, Meyer, and lighter, and I've kind of grossed over, you know, Davis, maybe Brady House, you know, but I hadn't, I didn't have uh, Jack, I didn't have a high school pitcher on my radar. You said yeah. this and you explained it, and I started just watching. He's got some plus plus, not just a fastball, off speed pitches. Oh, yeah. I mean, you, you look at Job, and I, I was, when I was getting ready for that draft to kind of pull back the curtain here, I was going through all the picks and like you lighters great. And like, if they take lighter next Sunday, I'll be happy as a clam too. Like there's no, it's really hard to screw this up at least in theory. Now in practice, yeah. we'll see, but just as far as the actual selection, but I kept coming back to Joe because I see high nineties fastball. I see a ridiculous slider. Yes. Like if you haven't seen the slider, go watch that. He's it's so unique that Lance McCullers jr. The Astros sent the dude a message on Twitter. Like, Hey man, teach me how to do that. And <laughs> it's the way it works is it's a, it's what's called a football grip. Joe played football first. He didn't start playing baseball, I believe until he was a freshman in high school. So he he's kind of new to this. He's also a two-way player. He also plays shortstop. So if you want a high school shortstop and a pitcher, you can take both at the same time. If yep. you so like with Jackson Joe, but it, he'll focus on pitching to start. Cause he's a better pitcher. But I mean, this fastball, this fastball, this slider just moves like crazy. It's got a, about a 3,100 RPM. And I don't know if yes. he's got super glue on his hand or not. Like, I'm guessing he doesn't because I don't know if they know what that is in Oklahoma City, with all due respect <laughs> to our friends in Oklahoma. Uh, love y'all. Please send me your best pitcher. But the thing I like the most about him as a person, before you get to like the actual draft situation, he's 18, he'll be 18. And he doesn't have that wear and tear on his arm. And one of the things about college arms, especially high-end college arms that scare me, is fatigue. You talked about Kumar Rocker a little earlier. Yeah. Rocker is exhausted. You could just see it. Yes. His fastball velocity is down. And people think, well, he's not that good. I don't think so. I really think that he's just – he's been pitching at a high level for Vandy for so long yep. that he's just out of gas. Uh, that's not uncommon for college players who are not used to the grind of that sport, or even if they are – Look how far Vanderbilt's gone since Rocker was a freshman. Yeah. Look how much he's pitched since he was a freshman. Yeah. And I'm not alleging any malpractice here on the part of, of the way of the Vandy manager. That's not fair to him. It's just pitching is hard. Baseball is hard. Throwing that hard is hard. So it's not, <laughs> a, you know, if he's doing it constantly, he's going to just get worn down. He just kind of needs a break. Like the best thing probably that anyone takes for Rocker is just to let him rest for a little bit, get that arm strength back up, and we'll see you next year, big fellow. But <laughs> Job doesn't have that same wear and tear on his arm. Now, that comes with its own risk, of course, small sample size, lack of experience. But if you're telling me the biggest knock against a guy like this is, well, he's a high schooler. Jack Leiter was a high schooler at one point. Yep. Kamar Rocker was a high schooler at one point. We're willing to mortgage the farm for a high school shortstop. And, I, and again, I get that it carries risk. I really do. Yeah, but the other the other aspect of this is is the money situation, with the CBA really uncertain next year, yep. and who knows what the draft's going to look like after the owners get done railing the players again because the players refuse to hire competent representatives. Right. But this year, Texas has just over twelve and a half million dollars in their bonus pool. Their slot is about just under eight million. I think it's seven seven nine. If Job will take six million, yeah. Five million, somewhere in that neighborhood. I wouldn't if I was him, but if he will, because that's a lot of money to throw at an eighteen-year-old, regardless of what they're doing. Right. Suddenly, you can take that money and reinvest it back in your second-round pick. And for context, the second rounder for the Rangers at thirty-eight is just under two million. So suddenly, if you save just a million bucks, we'll say just a flat million bucks, 
you got almost $3 million to throw to second round pick to convince him not to go to college, to leave the college he's at. And for context, that's at slot 23. The Indians have $2.9 million to offer. So you'd have a little bit more to offer than the 23rd pick in the draft. That means that hypothetically, if you like two guys and you have two first round grades on guys and that second guy falls to 38, you can offer them first round money for going in the top 40. And if you think that talent's elite and you think you need it, you can go get it. I And we, we know that the Pirates are wanting to cut a deal. That's why they're really hard on Meyer. Yeah. Besides the fact that Meyer's really good. Yeah, yeah, he is good. Now, let's not just yeah. – they're not going for the worst player in the draft. But they, no, they, they, no, 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 no. They've no. been negotiating. My understanding is they've already got some deals pretty much worked out from from kind of what you're hearing. So And, and look, they may surprise us all and take lighter. I don't know. We, we don't know what's going to happen until Sunday. No, we really don't. I would. I, I think at this point, with with the way that the chatter has settled on Meyer, me thinks that they've got some sort of agreement with him. Yeah. At the very least, they, they want to take him. Maybe they don't have a deal, but they're like, we. This is who's on our board. Right. But I think that, and and I don't. I really dislike the idea of going under slot so high, but in this case, this might be an undervalued asset. Like, and I hate we're calling players assets. It's not really fair, but just the concept of like taking a really good player that people think, well, he's a high school arm. He's not going to develop. I don't believe in that. I think if you think he's the best player, and at this point I do it too, take him and let it figure out. You need loud tools in this system. Yep. You've got guys like Josh Young. You've got guys like Shirt and Apostle. You've got some really good players coming up to the system, but you need those loud pitchers. Yep. You know, Cole Wynn, he's great. He's going to be a major leaguer. Book it. In like two years, he'll be here. You've got guys like Hans Krause is reinventing himself as a starter. I don't know how he's doing it. Yep. It's kind of magic, but it's working. You've got guys that are coming up through the system, but you need loud tools and you need that front line type of talent. Yep. And you can get that with lighter too, and that's fine. But if you really want to go get the loudest tools and you're taking the biggest risk, but I think this front office needs to take some risk over the yep. last five years, they have, and, and it's worked out. Okay. Taking that safety route. You look at the way that they they're taking hitters, those high contact, high approach hitters that do they have a lot of power? Not necessarily, but they're well-developed college hitters. Yeah, now is the time that you've got a boatload of those in your system, and you're probably going to add another one next year, depending on how bad your record is. Go get the loudest tool. Go get that big fastball. Go get that big slider, and tell your team develop this. Yep. And don't be scared. Like let's let's put this thing on the table and let's go do it. Like let's. And, and I think if you're going to just say let's go do it, your answer is not lighter. It's Joe. And, and you know, and another thing, and, and well, and Tepid says this all the time. You've been around Tep. He can crack oh, yeah. you up and everything. Texas does not have an alpha MFR. That's what he said. No, they, don't. And they, they need an alpha MFR to be coming up through the system. Josh Young is a fantastic prospect. Yes. And I want to go over. We'll do down in the bus leagues at the very end, and we'll just kind of talk about some certain prospects we're kind of we're sure. excited about and watching. And we'll just it'll be a short deal. But I love the way Young looks. He is a he is a absolute first round talent. He is fantastic. He is not the alpha MFR that steps on the field and just now could he. Maybe let's see, but right now he's just a fantastic prospect. That's what yeah. he is. He's a top 100. Okay, so with that being said, we're going to the second round. We're at pick 38. If you had your dream scenario, and everything fell in place, and you've saved some money with uh, with Jackson Job, who falls to you? And you're like, this is it. This is my guy. Now I know who you picked there. Are you still going with that? Yeah, I do have a couple guys that I think are nice consolation prizes. But if we're doing dream scenarios here, I, I still want Will Taylor. I want the kid <laughs> from, from Dutch Fork, South Carolina, which I didn't know existed until I started researching this young man. But, again, supreme athlete. This is a kind of a theme here for guys that I think Texas is going to be interested in. He was a baseball player. He was a football player. He was a wrestler. He was a basketball player. Like right. he is a throwback back to when kids played every single sport. Like he does it all. And he's damn good at all of it too. Like this. I mean, he's a legit 80 runner, which is something that you just don't see much these days. I mean, guys, when we talk about Lawler, we're talking 60, 70, like, which is elite. Don't get me wrong. 80 is road runner. 80 <laughs> is, you know, the, whatever your favorite speed runner is, your Usain Bolts or whatever, like that's the best of the best of the best, sir, with honors. Like, but Taylor is a, is a big time, you know, potential two hole hitter, three hole hitter. Um, the power can come around, but he's got the speed. He's got the contact. He's an excellent defender. Uh, he's level as an outfielder. There's some thoughts he could maybe move around if he needed to imagine 
Delino de Shields, but a little bit bigger, just as fast, maybe a little bit faster with a much better bat. Oh, yeah. If you can find some use for that. Now, the issue is he's at Clemson right now. He and fellow first-rounder Bubba Chandler are roommates at Clemson right now. They're on the on the Clemson depth chart. You're going to have to buy both of those dudes out of Clemson. Yeah, Chandler's the other one that's uh, – yeah, he's a quarterback, right? And then he's – Yeah, they're both – they're actually both quarterbacks, though it, likely – Taylor is going to end up being a baseball first commit because he's not high on the depth chart for Clemson. But okay. uh, I've seen Taylor go as high as 20. I've seen him drop to 38 because of the signability. But this goes back to what we talked about a little earlier. Yeah. If I take Will Taylor, who's a 5'10 quarterback in college, that's not real big for a college quarterback, especially for an ACC program like Clemson. Right. If I tell that guy who's a three-star prospect, who's probably never going to be the star of Clemson's quarterback program, hey, Three million bucks. Why don't you come play baseball for me? Yep. How many eighteen-year-olds are turning away three million dollars? I can always come back to Clemson if I really want to. Absolutely, you come back and play baseball. I mean football. I can come back. Yeah, you can come back and play football. And guess what? They'll pay for it too, because that's yeah. how this works. Like if you go back to Clemson after you flame out with the Rangers, they're going to pay for your college. You'll get it free still, and you'll have three million bucks in your pocket. Yep. Like I think that's that's your elite athlete right there. That's your dream that you scenario into. that he falls. Yeah. Uh, ba- uh, baseball America has him ranked twenty-sixth. Yes. Uh, on theirs, and let's see, where does MLB have them? Callis is pretty good. Let's see where they've got him at. I believe he's somewhere in the 20s there as well. I know in the most recent mocks, I've seen him, like I said, 20 is about the first place you see him. And, you know, when we did Prospects Live, I took him at 38, and I couldn't believe he was there. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. That was hysterical. You were like, wow. Um, yeah, I know exactly where I'm going. Okay, so the yeah. dream scenario doesn't work out. Who are some names to watch for? Uh, so I've got two here, and th- this is a really weird draft just in general for for fallback plans because it actually gets easier as you go on. Like yeah. right here in this spot, it's kind of a weird spot to be in at 38 because is there talent? You bet there is, and you don't know exactly what to, how the draft's going to fall. Right. But if, if there's two players that I like here, they're both pitchers and they're both college pitchers. Tommy Mace from Florida is a big old right-hander. He's six foot seven. He throws real hard. He's got he's got three secondaries. The curveball's the best. The other two, it's a slider and a cutter. They need a little bit of work, uh, but the curveball's real nice. He was projected as a first rounder coming into this year. Okay, he kind of fell back because he didn't strike out as many guys at Florida as he hoped. But Florida's been putting guys into the first round and, and into the bigs lately. Brady Singer's probably the biggest example of that. This is a, it's I, I want to call it a project necessarily because he's a college pitcher. He just needs some refinement. But a guy like that. You can come in if you're, especially if you're taking a young pitcher, a, a true project pitcher yeah. at two, getting a guy like Tommy Mace, who, if everything goes right, can be there in three years and probably projects as a third, three, four starter, maybe a two, if everything goes right at two. Yeah. But probably more realistic at three, four. You got to find three fours. Texas has not been finding three and fours in right. their farm system. Exactly. So if they can develop one like that, big time money right there. Same thing with Matt Mikulski from Fordham. He's a lefty. He's a little bit more advanced on the command. Um, the velocity is not as good on average as Mace, though he has hit as high as 98 at times. And that's a guy that, you know, is more of a pitchability guy. He throws strikes, he gets outs. That's something that in Major League Baseball, you're always going to need. Um, the problem with Mikulski is he's probably gone by the time 38 comes. He's a ranked yeah. prospect in the 40s, but he's got a lot of helium right now, especially after the combine uh, in North Carolina. Yeah, I think that guy's probably going to be gone by the time you get to 38. Uh, even if maybe he should be drafted right around 38, maybe 40. But if he's there and Taylor's not, it that's a it's easy a slam pick. dunk pick there. Yeah, yeah he's a, he's a college pick. pitcher. Yeah, it's it's just it's a lot of the things you don't have right now, and it's a profile that Texas will like an advanced college pitcher who can maybe help them in the next three years. I remember when the College World Series just started, you know, a couple weeks ago, the guy that I thought, and I was looking at where he was ranked and all of that, was Will Bednar, watching him pitch and all of yes. that. But I'm starting to think, Will Bednar. yeah, I don't think he's going to be there. He, no, he, he he's really, not. He, he rose his stock up tremendously. I uh, imagine Will Bednar is probably a mid-round first, like 15, 16. I, I, I have to imagine. Boy, how lovely would that be if somebody still just goes, yeah, we liked him. He did good there. I would love to see him fall. That dude, he, what he has is poise on the mound, um, and he he goes after you, and he's not oh, yeah. afraid. And, and you know, I, I, I like that in a kid. Okay, so that that's where you're at. Now, dream scenario again, if you're going to 73, um, what have you got on 73? So there's actually a few options in 73. I've got five players that I like, and I've been bouncing between two, but the one I settle on, 
is a kid named Tyler Black out of Wright State. He's an infield prospect. And, you know, we kind of talked about Josh Young's profile as something that the team has been interested in. Right. And this kind of fits alongside that general advanced college bat situation. Uh, as a freshman, he hit 353. He got on base at a 469 clip. He slugged 600. It's a nice casual over 1,000 ops. Uh, he's had really good years in 20 and 21 as well. I mean, the, the kid is very much a – he's bat first now, so you're not going to see a, a defensive wizard out there. But this could be like – uh, an advanced Nick Solak. If you're not really a big fan of Nick Solak, well, here's the starter kit that like improves upon that. It's the version two of him. Yeah. The, he, he's probably going to play second base, not third, but that's okay. Cause second base is really open at the moment. If yeah. you look at the, the three and five year plans. Right. But if you're just looking for, Hey, I want to grab an advanced bat at, 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 in the 70s, in the seventies, this is probably one of the guys that you can go get. Assuming he's not gone that you can go, Hey, he can hit. He hits well. He hits for power. He gets on base. He's not going to hurt you. He takes good at bats. Like if you just want that profile, Tyler Black's the one you want. And I think that's someone that he fits the philosophy. He kind of helps fill the power. You know, you just the, the the vacuum of infielders right now that Texas has because they're trying to work through what just the infield looks like going forward. You know, there's a lot of prospects like Young's going to be here soon. Yeah. Wenzel is coming back from his injury soon. Yeah. You've got Ryan Darrow and Yanni Hernandez who probably aren't starters long-term, but are probably useful major leaguers. Yep. But like, where's that second base starter coming from? Exactly. Is Young going to move from third to second? Is, is Luis Angel Acuna going to be that guy? Or is, is there somebody we don't know about? Right. Tyler Ac- Black's Acosta, guy that, Maximo, we don't know. Okay. Yeah, there's so many question marks on that kind of keystone infield spots at shortstop and second. Go get Tyler Black, let him hit, and just see what happens after that. Absolutely. Any, now, you said you had five. Who else you got up there? Is Nate Miller one of them? Noah Miller? Uh, no, no, actually he's not. I do have uh, – I'll give you the name that's actually rising quite a bit right now. Uh, Jackson Merrill is a name that has really – pretty much ever since our prospects live draft has gotten – he was in the one hundred, like the mid-100s. He's now somewhere in the 60 to 80 range in most people's – Wow. Uh, yeah, he, is, he has climbed a lot. Uh, he's a toolsy shortstop. Uh, he's gotten a little bit bigger. He's hit a little bit better. And that's a guy that scouts have been on. And now that it's starting to trickle out to the media that this guy is, is going to be rising. I could see Texas taking him if he's there. Um, and this is probably about the spot he would go. I've, I've seen some teams take him inside the, inside the top, inside the top 70, really easy for me to say, but he's a toolsy kid. He's got a lot of things to develop still, but he's a high school shortstop. There's a lot of room there to work. And I think if you're looking for some ce- some ceiling and you're willing to take a little bit of a gamble, you're probably going to have to pay a little bit more for him too because he's he's got options. Yep, that's a name to keep an eye on. Um, I also like Maxwell Muncie. No related to the actual Max Muncie in Major League Baseball right now. Right, yeah, I've heard that name. Which was, which was one of the most confusing things ever. I had to ask my uh, kid and Lamb, who I work with, the BP. Is this like his little brother? He's like, nope, not related at all. <laughs> okay, well, but yeah, that's another like higher floor shortstop that you can draft. If you take, you know, someone like Job, you don't go shortstop in the first round. Uh, you know, he, he's a kind of a lanky guy. He needs to add a little bit more of a body there, but he, he hits well. He's a good athlete. There's, you know, there's things to like about him. He's a more developed college short, uh, college high school shortstop than normal. So it's a guy to keep an eye on um, two pitchers to watch in this spot. I think is Ryan Webb. Uh, I've heard that name Hill. too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Both SEC pitchers: Georgia for Webb, Jaden Hill for Louisiana for LSU. I keep wanting to call them Louisiana State. That's not their name. They're yeah. Louisiana. They're LSU. Uh, both have had TJ surgery, so that's a long-term project there. But they're both college pitchers. So if you're trying to look for a bargain, that might be the place to go. They both have a lot of things to offer. Both have good fastballs. Both have good secondaries. Hill, in particular, is a little bit less polished than Webb. So if you want someone that's going to be a little bit more ready to go once his his Tommy John is fixed, Webb is probably the guy you want. But he's a guy that's probably going to go rel- in, within the top 100 unless there's just something we don't know about his injury that's scaring off teams. But in that case, Texas can wait a little while and take him and take someone else there. But yeah, I think in that in that in that high 70s range, Hill and Webb are two guys that I like a lot and are their their projects because of the surgery. But I think those are guys that, you know, in 2022, 2023, you could hear a lot about and could help the team when they start to re-enter that early stage of that competitive window. Okay, so now you know what I'm going to have to go to now. So I, I didn't exactly prepare you for it, but if we go to 103, 
You tell me, what do you see? At one, is there anybody falling to them? Anybody you like there? So a couple things about 103. One, this is the spot that we talk a lot about what ifs with players. Right. So in the first two to three rounds, you're getting more polished guys. We're talking about your Lawlers, your Mikulskis, your Taylors, guys that have more developed talents, have two, three, sometimes even four tools to their, and they're going to be, you know, the guys that you expect to see in the major leagues. That doesn't mean that you can't see the the lower round guys in the major leagues. Right. Guys from all rounds make it. I mean, we've we've noted before that Texas has a habit of making 30th rounders into major leaguers. It's a very unique talent they have. Right. It's a testament to the developing and scouting department. But as we get into the 100, especially the triple digit picks, you're taking tools, but you're taking tools that carry those what ifs. So let's take one of the guys I like is a guy named Irving Carter. He's a high school pitcher. Okay. He is a fantastic athlete. He throws 91, 94. He can get up to the high nineties, but he's got a weird delivery. He throws really, really hard. And he throws uh, a lot of movement. Is, yeah. yeah. A lot of movement. It's violent. Like it, it's hard to describe on, a, on an audio medium, but if you see a, a violent delivery, you know what I'm talking about. Like just a lot, a lot coming at you and it just looks like it hurts. Right. So okay, it's not so Neftali Feliz who looked, just looked like he was throwing and it came up 99. Yeah. This yeah, is something... it, it, It's a high effort delivery. Okay. A way to put it. Now that doesn't mean anything necessarily because all walks of life can work, but you're, you're working on figuring out like, can their pitches work? Is that delivery an injury hindrance? But there's a lot to like there. That's also a guy in high school that if he goes in the fourth round, maybe he doesn't like the money you offer. Maybe he's willing to go to college and go from a fourth rounder to a first rounder or a second rounder. Like these are all the sort of risks you take. Um, Ricky Tendeman is a college pitcher that has a lot of the same things. He's got a decent fastball. Uh, he's still got some room to build on, but his command is just okay. Like yeah. there's some, some things that needs to work on. Um, if you want to go to someone like, um, McCade Brown from Indiana, he's another righty. He's got high, a big fastball. He's got a nice breaking ball, but there's a lot of risk there. He could end up as a really two, three starter. The command could fall apart. He can only have two pitches, and he becomes a reliever. So when you look at guys in this area, that's that's true for all of them. And I'll run through just a few of them that I have in addition to those three. Uh, Jonathan Cannon from Georgia, another Georgia arm. Uh, kind of the same thing. He's got a good fastball. Uh, he's pretty much able to command it anywhere he wants. Uh, he kind of lost some time because of the pandemic stopping his season. But he's kind of one of those he's, – he's a draft-eligible sophomore, too, so he's a little bit young for the age. But there's some – and that's the concern there is just, is he good enough to be here? And if he's if he doesn't want to go in the fourth round, he can go back to college. So it's yeah. not a big deal. Right. Um, someone like, let's say, Joe Rock. He's from Ohio, another pitcher. You'll notice I got a lot of pitchers on this list because yeah. Texas needs as many pitchers as they can get their hands on. <laughs> yeah. uh, but you got a guy with a pretty good fastball. Um, he's got some good secondaries. The big thing is just, you know, he's got a kind of a weird body and he might not make it as a starter. But these are the places where you find these weird comps like this. You're trying to find the, the, the market advantages. You know, we, Moneyball taught everyone about the, you know, oh, try to find that niche little thing and take advantage of it. These are the spots in the draft where you start to go, okay, is this guy falling because he's not actually good or is he just weird, but he is good. Right. And that's the big difference there. Um, if you like, Texas Tech infielders, and a lot of people do right now. Uh, Cal Conley is a is the shortstop for the Tech team this year. Um, he, there's some questions about what position he plays long term. Does he need to go to second? Does he need to go to third? But he's got a not quite as good as Josh Young hit tool. He's got some power. He's a switch hitter. That's always fun. Yeah. So you got just, but the powers are concerned. But I'll remind you, so it was for Josh Young, and he's got like four home runs in 14 games, I think, as we record today. So right. he's doing okay with his power. Um, and you see, you know, guys like Chase McDermott. He goes to Ball State. He's a pitcher. He's got one of those things of, like, he could be a reliever just as much as he could be a rotation guy. Right. So you're probably going to get a major leaguer out of him, but the reason he's dropping is because there's not as much certainty that he should be a starter, which, by the way, is the same thing that should be dropping Ty Madden out of first rounds across all drafts. Somebody's going to make a mistake taking time out the kid out of Texas. And yeah. I like him as a pitcher. Right. But he's got two pitches. His velocity wears down over time. And I think he, he gets rattled when there's guys on base. That's a reliever right there. That's a reliever profile that I've seen taken as high as nine and most consistently taken between 11 and 16. Yeah, 15 and 16 is where I keep seeing him. Yeah. 
somebody's going to take him thinking they got a starter and they just might. But I know Keith Law of the Athletic had him in the second round as as late as last as last month. And after seeing him with my own eyes, that's a power reliever. Now it's a good power reliever. Yeah, it's a power reliever. And I think if you spend a first rounder on that, you're probably going to be disappointed. That's funny because, you know, and, and, and I always comp to this, but when I, I'm a UT fan, so when I saw UT, I didn't go there, but when I, when I saw him get in the College World Series, yeah. I, I knew Ty Matt, I knew that name. So I was going to oh, watch yeah. him. I was impressed, but I was like, you know, everybody keeps talking about this guy as a mid-first-round pick, and I, it, it just, while he was fine and he was good, to me, I was like, that's, you know, that, that doesn't look like Jack Leiter or Kumar Rocker. That looks a little different um, in, in doing that. Now, although he's he's talented, by all means, can do things I can't do. But I, I was thinking the same thing. I was like, I don't see it. I remember Jonathan Johnson when the Rangers took Jonathan Johnson in the first round of <laughs> yeah. whatever year, and then he went – that back then the draft was before the College World Series. He goes to the College World Series, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to see this Jonathan Johnson we just took. And first game, I'm like – there is nothing impressive about this guy that I can see. And so I, I, I kind of thought it wasn't that bad, but I was like, wow, everybody talks like this guy's going to be maybe even in the top 10. And I was like, I, I'm not seeing it, what I'm seeing from these other pitchers. And the exercise on someone like Madden is to look at it like this. And then I wrote, when I wrote him up at BP, this is what I implored the readership to do. Forget the guy's name, forget where he plays, forget everything about him. Just go in with a blank slate. And if I tell you, all right, here's a pitcher. He's a college pitcher. He's got a big fastball. He's got a good breaking ball. He's got two fringe offerings in, in his other secondaries. The command is okay to slightly above okay. And he gets worn down as he gets past the fourth and fifth inning. And he's been used a lot in college. Now, if I don't tell you that guy's name or where he goes, you're probably going to tell me, well, fastball slider, big fastball, yeah, a, a slight endurance. That's a reliever. That's a reliever. That's a, that, that's a bullpen guy. Okay. But because his name is Ty Madden, he's been a starter at Texas, everyone kind of gets a little bit biased and thinks, well, he's a starter because he's starting for a big-time program. And he still might be. But I think one of the things that clouds a lot of evaluators is that they get a little drunk with the, with the evaluation. They get enchanted with this is what he's always been, and they kind of it creates a feedback loop. Yeah. A couple guys say he's a first rounder and, and smart people say he's a first rounder. So people that maybe don't necessarily see him or just kind of follow it in a broad sense will go, well, he's a first rounder. Why is he a first rounder? Because that guy said he was. Okay, well, it's a snake eating its tail at that point. Yeah. But so, a guy like that is just, you know, he probably should be in the second round. If he slid to 32, is that someone you take as a ranger? Yeah, or 30, 38, I, I mean, 38. It's 38. I, I don't think he gets that far. With, I with don't think so either. That, I would be very surprised if he gets past the, the, the competitive round. But if he does, he's definitely on my radar because, again, it's an elite fastball and it's a pretty good slider. And Texas is showing some progress. Uh, the Hens Krause experiment is the one that I point to the most right now, even though he's doing it exactly the opposite of how I would have done it. But that's yeah. why I'm here and they're getting paid big money to develop <laughs> baseball players. Yeah. Um, they're showing the ability to teach some pitches. So if you can teach Ty Madden a third pitch and even a fourth pitch, suddenly you got value there. Yeah. Uh, and also, if you're looking for a deal, he's a college player. You can probably get a little bit of a deal with that kid if he gets to 38. Yeah. His now, leverage again, isn't. Yeah. His leverage isn't high. He could go back. No. But you risk. He could. Oh, yeah. But he's going to go back into an unknown CBA into really who knows what the draft's going to be. Right. I don't think it's going to be drastically changed. I think probably the most likely change is instead of being able to cut deals, it's going to be locked slots. So like, hey, you just get what you get, kind of like the NFL draft. There's no negotiation. It's going to be if this is your slot, this is your slot. You get that. If you don't like it, cool. Go if back you to school. Like it, cool. Yeah. It's going to be just a, an easier approach. Um, rounding out some of these names that we can get you in the fourth round, uh, two kids from the IMG Academy, Drake Bernardo and Tommy White. Uh, Fernando is a two-way player that could probably be either a pitcher or a shortstop. I think he'll probably end up being drafted as a shortstop. Uh, supreme athlete, good hitter. Um, I don't really know much about him as a pitcher, but he, I know he's listed as such. So I think he'll probably end up as a shortstop. But again, that's a high school shortstop yeah. from a premier preparatory area that yeah. if you're looking to develop a kid, that's a good option. Uh, Tommy White, uh, Prospects Live, who, again, does a lot of good work in places like this, they think he might be the best prep hitter in the draft. But his problem is he's a first baseman. 
And spending high capital on a first baseman who has almost no defensive utility is kind of a scary thing to do right now. That said, you got to have first baseman. Yep. You got to have somebody that can play that job. And, you know, I kind of think of a guy in the Rangers system right now in Curtis Terry. Absolutely. Um, can he play any other position other than first base and DH? No. Can he hit the ball like nobody's business? You yeah. bet he can. Yep. And if Tommy White can be a Curtis Terry type, you can get him out of high, get him out of high school. Yeah, I want guys that can hit the ball. Either they'll play for me or somebody else will fall in love with them and they'll go play for somebody else. But like if he can hit, he can stay. And as far as I'm concerned, that's what I want. And two final college guys, John Rhodes, who's an outfielder from Kentucky, again, really fits the profile the Rangers are going for. High hit tool, can get on base, show some power, is a good defender, um, and is a college outfielder, so his leverage is kind of low. But he fits that kind of general profile Texas wants out of a bat. And then uh, Kevin Abel is a name some people might remember if you've watched a lot of college baseball. He broke out in 2018 on that Oregon State team. Uh, his fast his pitches aren't outstanding, like he doesn't have a high 90s, but he's got three pitches that he can use, a changeup, a curveball, and the fastball. He, can, he has pretty good control and pretty good command. So the definition of a quote-unquote professional pitcher he is, there's some thought that he could go higher than his station. He's in like the 100s, the mid-100s. Yeah. But if a team falls in love with just like that more polished profile, he could go inside the top 100. But I think if he's there at 103, that's definitely a name to consider. And again, part of this in this round is a dart throw. Yeah. Because there's so many interesting talents. It just kind of depends on what scout has seen who, what tools they fall in love with, and really how the rest of the draft shakes out. I can make a case for any of the names I've given you here sure. at 103 and be successful. But the issue becomes, if you're Texas, where, where do you see it? What is their evaluations? So I, I commend the people that try to mock this far because <laughs> it, is a, it is just an endeavor in incredible patience and an incredible effort. Um, I, I, just, I see, I think what the teams will see is you're looking for two tools. If you can get two tools and a player you can sign, there's your win. You'll figure it out. Where those, where those tools are pitching or hitting kind of just depends on what you feel like your organizational flow chart is. But I think there's a lot of good options as you get to that 100 spot. And I think they can get a major leaguer at 100. It may take some time depending on what they draft. Right. But I think there's a, there's there's at least a major leaguer somewhere. I guarantee you there's a major leaguer somewhere at 103. Yeah, go absolutely. Find it. Absolutely. Sam, this has been fantastic. And we're going to go down in the bus leagues in a minute. And we're going to do a short one, just kind of talk about the prospects you've watched rise and, and fall. You're following the Texas League well, so you know it it, it pretty well. But I, I've got to say, guys, you are going to be surprised. So so when when we see what happens with, with uh, Job here when in this draft, I'm telling you, everyone thinks he's going three. They've got him all going three. You've got him going to the Rangers. But uh, if, if that guy – watch that name. I'm telling you right now because he has is, he is hit the radar. And I'm, if the Rangers don't take him, which I am t- perfectly happy if they take him now that, I've, yes. I, now that I have explored more because you've opened my eyes to him, he's going three. Detroit will be on it. Somebody's going to get a good player right there. And, sure, he could just wash out like everybody on this list could wash out and not translate to the pro game. But, golly, that guy, I saw that slider. It, it is They call it a plus-plus slider that yes, that kid throws. It, it, it is, because it's got the velo, it's got the movement. And for everyone that says, well, his name hasn't been associated with Texas, I'm here to tell you, I, I when I was getting ready for that mock draft, I texted someone that knows these things. Uh-huh. And I asked him, hey, has Texas seen this guy? And his response was, you bet they have. So, like, <laughs> just because Texas hasn't been associated in public, and this is the thing, too. Remember, the John Daniels administration doesn't have a lot of leaks. Right. They've never really had a lot of leaks. Stuff that happens rarely gets leaked out. Right. In fact, most of the leaks that have happened, you can associate with a former high-level executive that may or may not have, have took his ball and gone home down south. Right. But, like, when it comes to, like, who is currently in charge and how they get down – Leaks are minimal. Yep. It's hard to get anything out of that front office. So if they're on to Job, I can tell you they are, but they're never going to hear about it in public. They've also been all over Khalil Watson as well, but you never hear about that. That's a name I've heard associated with them. So, But yes. maybe it's somebody speculating is where I've heard that. No, Job, I have not heard, but you saying that, it wouldn't surprise me at all. 
Um, I know they've watched both those guys, yes. I'm excited. Okay, guys, we're going down in the bus leagues. That's our minor league segment we do every week. All I'm going to do on here, obviously, for those that that, – people like Sam and I, I did this starting – I'm 53 years old, back in my heydays of watching the Rangers before they ever made the playoffs in 94, which you were a kid back then. Um, A lot of the way that you found out about anything or got excited was you were trying to read box scores of minor leaguers and find out who was coming up because the major league team wasn't doing a lot. Uh, until that 94 season when they first made the playoffs. And, and you know, there were a few years when I was – hey, I went to my first game in 74. I mean, you weren't even thought of. Um, so, I've been, I've been going for many, many years. So, that's how I got involved with minor leagues. You are obviously study the minor leagues and doing that. Who are some players that not everybody talks about that you have really been impressed with or watched that, to keep an eye – I did a story on one. I, I want to in, – interested in your thoughts on him. I – uh, kind of watched this guy play. I went and my wife and I did a trip, and we went up to um, – two years ago, we went up to West Virginia and caught Hickory in West Virginia playing the West Virginia Power. And, you know, on that team was Bubba Thompson, Sam Huff, all these guys I wanted to go see. And they all played well. Tariq Reed was on that team. Uh, Sam Sam Huff hit a double, uh, caught that night. Fantastic. Uh, Tyler Phillips was there. There was this one guy that seemed to be running the field. His name was Ryan Doro. And that's the guy that I ended up doing a big story on uh, this year. And he was hitting 111 when I wrote that for Frisco. And now look at him. And I tell you what, he is, is he an everyday starter? Sure, that could possibly happen. But I'm telling you, here's what I say. Isaiah Counterfalifa did not have the numbers Ryan Doro had coming up through the minor leagues. He was a guy just like him, though. He played a lot of positions well. He played a lot of positions well. And – you know what? If you can play well defensively, that's what got IKF to the major leagues when he overramped his bat and he's become a good player all around. He was a great defender, and then he became a great hitter. That's a guy – he can. he's going to play for somebody, I think. Oh, yeah, I think so. And I, if I'm not mistaken, and you, you would probably know this a little bit better than I would, at the start of the season, Darrell was expecting another, either his first or his second kid, if I'm not mistaken. It's first, it's very first one. They just had it. Yep. So there, yeah, and I know he went on. He went on leave to go take care of that back in Michigan. Right. I'm not surprised that his year started kind of slowly. His mind was on something else, just a little something else. I wasn't really <laughs> worried about his early season production. He had fatherhood on his mind, so I wasn't really worried. Yeah. But no, we, we talked a little bit earlier in the podcast about 30th rounders being success. Andrew was a 30th rounder. Yep. And you're right. He's probably not going to be a superstar. No. But he's a guy that he will have a career in the majors that probably spans 10 plus years. Because he's a quality defender, he doesn't give away at bats. Is he ever going to hit thirty home runs in his career? Maybe, like definitely not in a season. But if he doesn't give away at bats, he plays capable defense in multiple positions. That's a guy that can bounce around, getting major league minimum or a little bit above for as long as he wants. And for and and that's development right there. I know there's a lot of criticism about the Rangers don't develop major leaguers. Yep, that's just not true. It's just not. It's a lie. They don't now. Do they develop superstars? No. Well, they developed Joey Gallo, and that's I think that's a superstar at yeah. the moment. But it's, your farm system is about developing the rubies and the emeralds, not just the diamonds. Like right. You've got to have all types to build this boat. Ryan Drew and IKF are good examples of legit development success, scouting successes and development successes that will probably play Major League Baseball until they've decided to hang it up and either go be a coach somewhere, go be a manager somewhere, whatever it is they want to do. Um they can go do it, but they'll be major leaguers as long as their defense holds up and as long as they maintain that plus approach at the plate. DeRoe is probably not a prospect, but is he a major leaguer? You bet he is. He's going to be a major leaguer one day and probably a decent one, more than good enough to hang around probably as long as his body lets him. I, I tell you a funny story about him is his wife, uh, they went to Adrian, a little bitty college called Adrian College in Michigan, Adrian, Michigan, actually. Him and his wife were both the starting shortstops when they met. For the softball oh, really? team. <laughs> so I was kidding because I, I interviewed his wife. I interviewed the scout that signed him and his college coach. And uh, I was talking to her, and I was like, they had a little boy, Riley. And I'm like, this kid is going to come out uh, being able to pick it at second base, right? And he's no already kidding. <laughs> I tell you, you know, haven't covered enough softball. Bet his wife might be the better defender in that crew. <laughs> Fielding a softball shortstop, that's hard work there, my friend. That's, that is hard. That's a lot of heat coming at you at any given time in a smaller diamond like I bet, you know, if, if he ever has some trouble, just go, honey, can you help me out a little bit here? Because I guarantee you, if she was any, you know, as a starter, she's got some skills. Yeah. I can guarantee you that much. So who guarantee else? It. Yeah, who else now? Who are some guys kind of like a Doro, not in the top 30, somebody to watch. that they, They're on a trajectory right now. 
Uh, I'll give you the one that's the hottest name right now. And this is, you're going to hear, if you remember the Pete Fairbanks hype of 2019, yep, yep. Uh, the next guy in that mold is a guy you've probably never heard of named Nick Snyder. Uh, he just got to Frisco, Frisco, didn't he? Yes. If, he, <laughs> if you've been to Frisco, you might've seen him because the dude does one, does one thing really, really well. He brings the gasoline. I saw him for the first time in person the other night and he, he sat 98. He touched a hundred twice, but he was sitting anywhere from 98, 99. He threw a couple 97s in there too, but he was just flinging that ball. That's awesome. He's got a slider to pair with it and the slider. It's a work in progress. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I'm not going to lie to you, but it's got some movement. It's kind of got that, that more almost C shaped movement. It's kind of slurvy and he doesn't always know where it's going. But it's more than enough that when he was he was throwing it against, I believe this was San Antonio when I saw him. Uh, it was either San Antonio or Northwest Arkansas. It's hard to keep track sometimes. Yeah. But he throws hard. Hitters have trouble with it. And the slider is is in the 80s. So the velo separation is big. But that's a guy that's not going to be in the minors too terribly long because he throws too hard. And he's not a prospect, so you don't have to worry about his development. This dude comes in to do one thing and one thing only. Throw real hard. Get people out. That's a major league bullpen guy. Could be as soon as this year if they're willing to take the chance on him. But if not this year, then next year. I tell you what, in a player like that, uh, Tep always says something that's hysterical. He used to say it with Emmanuel Classe. Uh, first time I ever saw Classe, he came in uh, and he, he walked a few guys. But he yeah. kind of, well, what happened? He got squeezed. He actually got squeezed on a couple of pitches, kind of lost control. And, and Tep leaned over and about Snyder, he could say this too. He goes, You know, you can teach control. He goes, You can work on composure. He goes, you can't effing teach 101 miles an hour. <laughs> no, you cannot. I remember I saw my Class A stories. I, I'd heard about him, so I finally got out to Frisco, and I, I'd missed him like three times. So yeah. I finally got out to Frisco and saw him. I saw him against, I think this was Amarillo at the time. I know they've reorganized. I think this was Amarillo was in town. And uh, Andres Munoz, the now Mariners player that was then in the Padres organization, had come to town. And so those two mega velo dudes pitched back-to-back on the same night. I think – Classe hit 100 that night, and then Munoz hit 102. And I got to tell you, if you've never seen 100 in person oh as a baseball gosh. fan, like you, you can see it on television. They do the graphics, and you understand the concept of it being fast. But I implore you, if you ever get the chance, if you're a baseball fan, find your local minor league park on the night that a guy that throws that hard is supposed to go there and go get the best seat you can get as close to the plate as you can get and watch that guy pitch. It, it, it is something different. It's something special. Now, does, does, it doesn't matter if he knows where it's going or not. It doesn't matter if it's coming for the bowl or if it's going for the plate. Right. But just to experience that in person is unique. And I think everyone that loves baseball should do it at least once. Get real close. Like, you know, you can't really do it from far away. The distance kind of deceives you and makes you think, ah, what's – no, get real close. Hear that thing hit the glove. See the release of it from the pitcher. Watch the batter go, what was that? Yeah. Like just watching the truck come by. It's something very unique and special. And if you're a Rangers fan, go out and see this guy in Frisco while you can. Behind home plate seats are $21. I guarantee you by the end of this year, if not next year, if you want to see him behind home plate, it's going to cost you a lot more than that. Yeah, it's going to be up in the big leagues. Any hitters besides Curtis Terry, who we know, and, and P, he's gotten thrown on everyone's radar right now with the way he's been hitting. Any hitters throughout the organization? I mean, we've all heard of Evan Carter, uh, the, mm -hmm. the second-round pick. We haven't got a chance to see him except on when he plays away games, but he's hurt now. Um, yeah, he's not going to play again the rest of the year with, a, I believe, it's a stress fracture in his back, which yeah. is real unfortunate. He was having a great season. He was, but he's walking – uh, he walked far more than he was striking out. Uh, his on-base percentage was crazy. Oh, good. And he's 18. Good Lord. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's got a lot of growing to do. Um, there's a few names. I know Yanni Hernandez has gotten a lot of play uh, in the more wide-known prospect circles at the moment, uh, mainly because he's got a strike zone the size of a P. He's a fantastic just uh, plate approach guy. Not a lot, I think he's a little bit more ahead of DeRoe in the sense of, like, his bat's a little bit better. Yeah. Again, he may not hit 30 home runs in his career. In fact, he probably won't hit 20, but he'll make contact. And I really thought he was coming up right around the time that Chris Woodward had that very angry press conference post-game yeah. where he was mad at the guys for throwing away at bats. He, he was right to be mad for that record. Right. I thought, okay, this is the time to call up a guy like Yanni to come play regularly because he's, he's the exact opposite of that. He doesn't give away at bats. He walks a lot, and he makes good contact. Even if that contact doesn't necessarily go far, single will work, baby. Single will work. Yeah. Um, the hitter that I'm most fascinated by 
And it's almost not even because of a hitter, but it's because of all the other things he does. I am beyond fascinated with Matt Watley these days, the regular Frisco catcher. And I know that he's probably never going to be a, a high-level pitcher. Uh, catcher. Catcher. Yeah. He, he may never even be a starting MLB catcher. But I'll tell you, if you want to watch how to be a catcher, go out to a Frisco game and watch Watley do his thing because he is in control of the game. He put, and I've heard several of the, of the pitchers. I think Cole Wynn even said this at one point in an interview. He said, I throw what he puts down. I don't shake him off because yeah. he knows what he's doing. Right. And he comes out of that Oral Roberts Academy. You know, we Texas has another catcher that is well-regarded in that exact same way yep. in Jose Trevino. But, like, he's, he's a fire hydrant. He's not that big, but his defense is good. The arm has a little bit of thing of, of improvement to go. But when it comes to, like, defending the plate, calling a game, working with pitchers, which is incredibly valuable skill. I can teach someone how to move. Yeah. I can teach someone how to do certain things. Right. I can't teach that mental side of the game. I can't teach someone to know this guy needs to change up. This guy needs a fastball. This is where I need to put it. Like that is an incredibly difficult skill. So much so that last year at the alternate site, uh, then Frisco manager, I guess technically he was the Frisco manager, Bobby Wilson, was working with guys like Huff and the other two. I think Fedorowicz was there at that point. Whoever was at the alt site for catching last year, they did that every day. Yeah. They developed game plans for pitchers. They went over it just like the major league game. In fact, they followed the same game plan as the major league pitchers did. And then they would watch the game and go through it and like break down the tape. Wally's a guy that's got elite level up here in the cranium. That's his, that's his biggest asset. It's not his bat. It's not really his body. It's his brain. But for a catcher, that's exactly what you need. So a guy like that, he may only hit 220, 230, 240. When it comes to like the cerebral side of the game, getting the most out of pitchers, that's the guy that's going to be a big time, you know, impact player in that way. Now, yeah. That probably means he's going to catch 70, 80 games a year, but you won't, you'll notice the, the betterment and the way he'll get more playing time is because the pitchers will say, I like him. Yep. He's, he's my guy. That's <laughs> what Jonah Himes doing for Mike Fultonavich right now. Yep. His ERA with Fulty is like three and a half before whatever happened today. I'm not sure of what the score is because it's happening as we record but yeah like if a catcher trusts a pitcher and vice versa that's a winning combination it's and absolutely have a lot of trust with guys like win with alexi with kraus uh hopefully enriquez as they as they kind of get to know each other that's going to be invaluable and even if it's just as a backup catcher who can help prep the main catcher yep it's an incredibly useful tool to have yeah his future's in baseball and whether yeah. it's he, he ends up becoming in this organization a coach at one point because it never translates on the field his his future I, I tell you what I, I've heard nothing but rave reviews Tep talks about yes. him a lot and what he's changed and how he's playing and he's uh, they he Tep keeps considering him the, the MVP of of Frisco right now the way he's handled right. the pitching staff it's fantastic guys this has been fantastic Sam we're gonna do this again we'll get back together on this we'll do some more fun stuff on here to do this this that's sam hell sam thanks for coming on bud anytime brother just you know how to find me get a hold of me and i'll be glad to do it again with you that's sam hell from baseball prospectus and the ticket and like i say at the every at the end of every one of these and everything i write nerd out